This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hello and welcome to the Diva Debrief. This is the month of March, the month of mad hairs, with me, Rachel Shelley. (laughs) And me, Victoria Broom. Why did you say mad hairs? What's going on with that, Rachel? (laughs) Because it's spring and all the hairs are mating. (laughs) So the male hairs keep coming onto the female hairs and the female hairs eventually clobber them one to say back off. Right. That image of two hairs on their back legs fighting (laughs) female power. Good for them, girl hairs. Good. You can feel that. You can feel it in the air. Everything's beginning to grow and blossom. And we're going to talk a little bit about that later, about growing generally as a thing, because it is a thing now, isn't it? Yeah. When Rachel talks about growing, we're talking about like growing of flowers, but also, I guess, of people. We grow as people, but there are flowers and plants and vegetables. And there's a really nice section in the magazine yeah. that talks about kind of getting an allotment and things like that. So we'll 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 touch on that a bit later. Getting your fingers in the soil. Green fingers. Green fingers. But mm. we must also remember that it is International Women's Day next Tuesday. That's Tuesday, the 8th of March. Pod Diva is celebrating, obviously, amazing women every week. Every week. Every day. We always do. It's great. We always Mm -hmm. do. It's what we do. And because Diva is also proudly trans-inclusive, our celebrations will, of course, be including our amazing trans community. This week, we're celebrating some of our favourite women, from poets to filmmakers, past and present. And we're also reviewing this month's Diva magazine, because this is the Diva Debrief. Diva Debrief. (laughs) Who is this amazing woman on the cover of Diva this month of March, Victoria Broom? The one and the only Taylor Hickson, who I'm sure a lot of listeners will know from Motherland Fort Salem. Um, Aren't aren't the fans of Motherland Fort Salem called Switches? Switches. So any switches out there, give us a switch and a tweet. We see you, Switches. There's more coming for you later this month where we have a Diva dialogue with Taylor Hickson. Not to mention a couple of weeks back where we had Amalia Home on the Diva Dialogue. And of course, the two of them together play Scylla and Rael. You know, Fort Salem is 
this amazing show where it's a female army, the power of women. What a topic for International mm, Women's Day. Yeah, the strength of femininity. We'll also be sharing different ways to celebrate International Women's Day. Whilst proudly platforming a queer women's documentary with the help of the legendary Sandy Toxvig. I love Sandy Toxvig. Sandy is just awesome. Awesome. Like, yeah. But funny. Yes, funny. <laughs> it's a wonderful documentary, Gateways Grind. But let's start with International Women's Day. How are you choosing to celebrate it, Victoria, next Tuesday, the 8th of March? Well, I actually think that I celebrate women on a daily basis. So Good for you. I, well, I love women. I, of course I celebrate women. But I think on that particular day, I'll be with six different women who probably aren't celebrating and don't even know that it's a thing, that International Women's oh. Day is a thing. So I'm going to be taking in postcards and having female quotes from inspirational female women and I'm secretly hand them to them and then walk off and they'll be like, what's this? I'll be like, it's International Women's Day is what it is, ladies. That's fantastic. Good for you. That's so that's what I'll be doing. Random acts of International Women's Day propaganda. We like that. R- random acts. Acts of women's love. Random acts of women's love. I love that. Yeah. You've got to love that. Because we should all love women. Well, we all do. That's who we're listening to Pod Diva. Of course we well, love women. Exactly. <laughs> That's why we're part of Pod Diva, part of Team Diva. And talking about Team Diva, there are some great pieces in the magazine where Team Diva talk about how they're going to celebrate International Women's Day. Now, Shah Bailey, who interviewed Two Twos last month, she says... I will be celebrating my favourite woman, a.k.a. me. Yes. I'll be be leaning into my divine energy and remembering that there is no one way to be a woman. I can wear what I want and sit how I want and say what I want and still be valid and whole and handsome and beautiful. I mean, I love that. Oh, I love that. And when I read it, it gave me a bit of a jolt. Just saying unashamedly. Loving yourself. There is like this whole, oh... It's more mm. of an arrogance if you love yourself. No, it's not. Like, you're, you, you, should, you can't love anyone else if you don't love yourself. I love that. I no. think that's wonderful. It's brilliant, isn't it? But also this thing of loving yourself. Mm. You can still look at yourself and go, ah, maybe I wasn't mm. at my best then. But I'm going to improve this way and I'm going to recognise it. I'm going to own it and I'm going to move forward. It's that as you would with a friend. Nurture. When you love someone, you help them be their best self and you make yeah. them feel their best self, yeah. I think. Yeah, I like that. I love that. Thanks, Shah, for those words of wisdom. Real words of wisdom. And Taylor Hickson, our lovely cover star, as we've mentioned before, she said, I love this quote, I've abandoned my femininity just to be taken seriously in a room. That was a big learning curve, understanding the strength in femininity and bringing in that yin and yang. Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? And I love that as well. Do you feel like you own your strength? As a woman. I think I've grown into it. You know, I'm 52. I don't know quite how old Taylor Hickson is, but she's obviously a young woman. When she talks about abandoning her femininity in a room just to be taken seriously, I used to find that a lot when I was younger. Mm. And I didn't, I couldn't have really voiced it in the way that she Mm. does. And that's what I find so admirable about young women now because they have a movement, Mm. a worldwide movement behind them. They have the vocabulary to call things out. I'm so happy about that. I'm so happy to see my daughter 
be able to do that. Linking in with that, there's a really great article at the start of the magazine called Free My Body by someone called Araxi Boyadigen, which I'm hoping I'm pronouncing correctly. But she talks about the suppression in, in her country of femininity, how she kind of acted against that and was wearing very tiny skirts, very tight clothing, trying to say right you can't suppress me you can't suppress who i am where's she from well she's from lebanon so she talks about these experiences as a queer woman in lebanon right. she went against that because of all these narratives around her sex and you're the one that's leading men to feel like this about you and then when she found her queer community she then became comfortable within herself that actually she doesn't want to wear those revealing clothes and it's it's so interesting how the suppression of women and then linking back into taylor's article she talks about how she found power from witchcraft she yeah. realized the suppression that women have had that we have to see each other as a threat as you know competition and it's and it's all through our history as women this is this is our history and it's just like yeah it's fascinating listening to all these different women yeah it is fascinating and again going back to international women's day this whole thing of witches and how there's so many tv shows books aimed at young women where they're witches but i like you say it's a way of giving women power which they don't otherwise have, historically, they don't have. So it gives you power and strength. But there you go. We've been to Lebanon. We've been to Canada. We've been to Fort Salem, wherever that might be. But now I want to go to Seattle, Victoria. I want you to take me to the Wild Rose Bar on Capitol Hill. In Seattle. <laughs> I would like that. Let's go to one of the few lesbian exclusive bars in America to Seattle to meet Ray McCann. Ray McCann is a student who had a very interesting project at one point. It's an imaginary conversation with a queer woman that you respect, a mentor. And in this situation, Maria Irene Fornes died in 2018. So it's a one way conversation, just to make that clear. From my understanding is that she takes walks and she has conversations. Oh, so taking the time to create almost like a um, a mentorship, but with yourself, but as though you're connecting with somebody that you really respect. That's it. That's quite a nice thing. Lovely. Again, okay. women mentoring women and passing down the strength between the generations and the power. Let's listen to Beyond Borders. My name is Ray McCann. I am 22 years old and I'm from Seattle, Washington. Uh, I was born and raised in South Seattle and then went away to college at Wesleyan University on the East Coast and have returned here post-graduation to live and work. My undergraduate degree is in gender and sexuality and creative writing, hopefully going back to school for psychology to specifically focus in queer youth and queer family structures. Came out in high school when I was 15. Even though Seattle is thought of as a very liberal place, when I was coming to terms with who I was and entering into my first relationship, the people around me had a very not-in-my-house mentality of that they just didn't want to hear about it, which created a secrecy around who I was and a shame. I 
quickly joined a Ultimate Frisbee team my second year of high school, which is where I found my central community and my wonderful, wonderful first girlfriend was part of that community. It wasn't necessarily an inherently queer space, although in the past eight years of my life playing Frisbee, it has become an increasingly very queer-friendly community. It was just okay in a way that it wasn't in my high school. They just didn't want to hear about it. That started this kind of long train of, of being afraid to talk about it and and afraid to engage with my interest in in gender and sexuality as a whole i was lucky for this for this frisbee team to be able to exist in a world where it was okay and it took me a long time to get to a place where like that shame was was melting my first gender and, and sexuality class there were so many things that felt like an uncovering of parts of myself that I had pushed so far deep down. And I remember leaving this very, very specific class about coming out, left to go to the bathroom and just wept um, and cried. It felt like I was boiling over with all of this interest and excitement and also processing of, of who I was and my shame. I'd never had a reaction to academics like that. It is very visceral reaction to this class because it was so deeply tied to trying to understand who I was. People often think, oh, what, what do you do as a gender sexuality major? It has given me a lifetime of, of knowledge and security, the greatest gift of academics in general, is if you can study something that makes you feel your personhood is validated. It's just the most rewarding type of education. I don't think a lot of people have that experience. During my final year of college, I embarked on a project about Maria Irene Fornes, a playwright and a theater maker in New York in the 70s and 80s. The project backbone was trying to create an audio-based friendship with this person who is now dead. So it consisted of all of these walks around this neighborhood that I was living in, in Connecticut. To have a, essentially a phone call with her, but it was just me talking. And it was this deep investigation of friendship and queer mentorship and what that looks like. And then when I graduated, it had become this pretty much a primary relationship in my life and was very rooted in place in Connecticut. In moving back to Seattle, I have been forced to transfer that relationship from Connecticut to Seattle. A lot of the relationships I've had with my own gender and sexuality in Seattle have been deeply painful. And so transferring all of this knowledge and learning about about myself and becoming who I am back to a place that my queerness was born out of, back to Seattle, has been a, a challenge and also a great joy. I walked a very specific route in Connecticut when I did these phone calls with Irene. To me, writing place is not a way of earning a living, but it is a way of earning a life. And the first walk placing this queer friendship and this queer mentorship back to Seattle. I'll never forget that walk. 
that also has been a something to think about is these place-based relationships and place-based learning that I'm all transferring back to Seattle and, and how that's created my growth here. Seattle, I think, has been deemed this liberal mecca for a lot of people throughout history that have felt excluded from a more traditional line of thinking. When reflecting on my experience here, I think it's pretty unique in the sense of how rejected I felt by the queer community and in my queer self in Seattle. And then coming back and, and being an adult here and figuring out all of these of nooks and crannies of queerness that exists. One of my coworkers took me to Wild Rose, which is one of, I think, 19 or 20 lesbian bars in the entire United States. It's on Capitol Hill in a neighborhood in Seattle. It's the only lesbian bar in Seattle. We were dancing and she said, like, of, of course you've been here before. Because I was sort of too excited in this like way that young gay people get when they go to places of a lot of other queer people. I had been so afraid to tap into that world because I had been told that I shouldn't be a part of it when I lived here in the past. And that reopening of this environment in Seattle, reflecting on who you were as a kid in your childhood queerness and what that whole process of discovery looks like and then coming back to it all as an adult and being able to sew together all of these threads of pain that had been lingering here, developing this new queer community here has been really wonderful. Well, that's deep. <laughs> it is deep. It was really deep. Shit. I found it. I thought so too. Yeah. That was quite an unusually metaphysical, I would say, feature from Beyond Borders. And I love that we're going there. I'm actually, all this March, spring, there's so much poetry and art around spring. I'm feeling quite lyrical oh <laughs> today does that i mean know we're gonna get a poem or something rachel <laughs> i well you know i would love i would love to just read a mary oliver poem but unfortunately we can't because copyright blah 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 copyright <laughs> so i won't be doing that yeah but i was put in a lot of sounds of trains and journeys i love the sense of transition of journeying of returning to a place, returning home. I did a whole load of Vox Pops once about going home for Christmas. And the number of queer people who said to me, oh no, I have to hide my queerness when I go home. Oh no. This idea, I know. And the idea that you Mm. learn behavior in a place, this idea of place-based learning, Mm. which Ray mentions. I love this idea that we're all on a journey. Every day that you wake up and do something, you're on a journey you don't know where you're going to go and that's but I try to live in the now rather Mm. than focus on things that will be happening later or because if you live if you live in the now you notice so many things happening and you grow I think as a person as well because you're experiencing these things I really do believe that I love that we're getting all like therapeutic and everything this is great this idea of journeying and traveling and transitioning Yeah, and that's what we're doing constantly, and I love that. Our behavior, our learnt behavior, is associated really fiercely with a location. It's so specific Mm. to geography, which is obviously so specific to culture. 
And that's one of the reasons why I love Beyond Borders. We want to hear from all different stories. We've had some difficult ones. We've had, you know, some very joyous experiences. We just want you to know that you, you have a family here to talk to. And I also love this idea, as you outlined before we played it, of having an improbable one-sided conversation with a queer mentor. And in this case, it was the American-Cuban playwright and Maria Irene Fornes. She died in 2008. I hadn't heard of her before. No, some of the clips I use were of Irene's voice. And they're from this amazing documentary, again, by another amazing queer woman, Michelle Memran. And the documentary is called The Rest I Make Up. I did a pod diva feature on her a few years ago which i think i might re-release you should absolutely re-release it i think all listeners would love to hear it yeah please do look up the documentary the rest i make up the rest i make up i can't wait thank you rachel yeah it's it's beautiful it's beautiful let's say international women's month yeah let's do it pod diva Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. What a great documentary to watch. Yeah. Talking of documentaries, mm. I'm doing it. I'm leading us in, Rachel. That was smoothly thanks, done. Thanks. I should do it for a living, perhaps. <laughs> um, um, so talking of documentaries, there is a new documentary coming and it's called The Gateway's Grind. The, the Beyond Borders that we just heard was t- also talking about a lesbian bar in Seattle. Gateway's Grind is a new documentary directed and written 
by Jackie Lawrence. Now, a lot of people might know Jackie Lawrence as being the writer of a web series called Different for Girls, which Rachel and I were in. (laughs) Oh, yes, we were. But Gateway's Grind is Jackie's new kind of venture. It talks about a club that was in Chelsea called The Gateways, which was a lesbian members club. And this closed in the 80s. But I want us to listen to Jackie's interview because she explains all about the gateways beautifully um, with a little help of Sandy Toxvig. So um, let's uh, let's have a listen, shall we? Sandy Toxvig icon. Absolutely. Jackie Lawrence icon. I'm putting that out there. She's been pushing lesbian content for God knows how many years. And honestly, Jackie, oh, love you for it because the lack of lesbian representation, you've kind of been pushing it for so many years. So let's listen to Jackie talk about the gateways grind. Well, we are in search of hidden mysteries. We were there during the AIDS pandemic. We were there fighting on the streets in Clause 28. uh, And we've been eradicated, which is why we wanted to tell the story of the gateways, because no one knew that story. It's a hidden story. It's lesbian erasure. And so I think where documentaries are concerned, we are completely and utterly unseen, unheard and uncelebrated. And that has to change. So my name's Jackie Lawrence, uh, pronouns she and her. I identify as a lesbian. I've been working in lesbian film and television for over 30 years. Started off as a director, then became a commissioned editor. I started uh, Jackdaw Media with my business partner, Fizz Milton, and we've dedicated uh, the rest of our days to telling lesbian and queer women's stories in the early days when they tried to put a queer female character into a soap. They were ciphers mainly for the other characters' stories. There's a wonderful drama series that I'm watching at the moment called Cheetahs, where they take a lesbian character and they really, really flesh out that character. What there isn't are the lesbian documentaries. We don't have the history at all. We've been absolutely eradicated. So Gateway's Grind is the untold history of the Gateway's Club. Probably the most well-known lesbian club in the world, but the most unknown lesbian club in the world. It's really odd. certainly was the first lesbian club in the UK. It started in the 1940s. As Gina Ware took over with her cohort, um, Smithy, this incredible American butch woman, they decided that the club would become purely lesbian. You would be staggered at the famous people who went there and the famous people who weren't allowed to, to go there because of their gender. A fantastic basement club just off the King's Road during the swinging 60s and the 70s was featured in uh, The Killing of Sister George where uh, Bella Reed and Susanna York and Cora Brown all end up in the gateways. The extras are actually played by the gateways regulars. You really are seeing a time capsule. You either went there and you want to go back or you were born too late to go there. There So it's this hidden gem 
I've gone to heaven. One of our uh, contributors visited the gateways in 1947. She said she looked, she saw all these women dancing. She felt like she'd gone to heaven. This is heaven. And almost all of our contributors tell the same story. I want you to join me in revealing the mysteries of the Gateways Club. Sandy Toxvig is our commentator. And commemorate it somehow before it's eradicated from people's memories. She presents the documentary. She actually went to Gateways. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a quite funny introduction because she didn't identify as either butch or femme. You'd have to watch the documentary to see how she navigated that. So one of the main codes of conduct of the gateways was butch femme. And butch femme, during the 50s and the 60s, was very much working class, but also a upper class code of conduct as well. The richer you were, the more freedom you had to kind of play. So it wasn't until the middle class women started going to the gateways in the 60s, they found it really, really problematic, looking at feminism, gender fluid. There's this wonderful part of the documentary where butch femme is celebrated as it should be as as play but also it's criticized as repression it's part of our history butch femme is part of a queer woman's history and cannot be eradicated and cannot be ignored just because it's problematic Actually, you know what? By definition, it was political because it existed in a time where there weren't any lesbian clubs. So that in itself is political. They were very, very definitely, you know, don't bring your feminism. You know, don't bring your politics. Just come and have a good time. There isn't the footage of Princess Margaret snogging uh, Dinah Dawes down there. Gina and Smithy were very, very good at kind of keeping their secrets, keeping people feeling protective. So there isn't any footage. When I talked to all the the contributors, I actually emerged all their stories and created some composite drama sequences, which tells the stories of all of the contributors in a kind of more, in a linear way, in a dramatic way. What we managed to do was actually to get into the original Gateway space. So we dressed it as the Gateways Club. So although I didn't go, I did get in there. And it was one of the most magical moments in my entire life. There just isn't those specific lesbian clubs anymore. I used to be able to go out to a lesbian bar every night of the week. I was out from a Monday until a Saturday. And then a lesbian bar opened on a Sunday and I was exhausted. (laughs) So the beauty of the gateways is that it was classless. Prostitutes who would be mingling with high-class society women, who would be mingling with actresses, who would be mingling with working-class women from East London. And so it was genuinely classless. It was genuinely diverse. And the commonality was that everyone there was a lesbian. I want a a queer female private members club where I'm going to be around queer, bi and trans women. I love my gay brothers, but I don't want to be with them all the time socially. I don't want to carve a tiny little space in their club. I don't want that. It goes back to this assimilation thing. Lesbians were assimilated on the screen and so they were diluted. They lost their identity. In a way, that's what the Gateways was. You had to be a member. You had to be a member and you had to be a queer woman. Every time we talk about this this, uh, documentary, everyone says, oh my God, I wish the Gateways existed now. (laughs) Um, We need it. And I think there's a movement towards it. 
Gateways Grind has been accepted at Flair Film Festival, which is the LGBTQIA film festival that takes place in London every year. We will be screening as part of the festival on Friday, the 25th of March. Uh, we'd love to see you there. It's a beautiful, beautiful story, and I'm just privileged to be able to tell it. Because when I think about uh, 1979, which was... Uh, probably the first time I ever went to Gateways was also the same year that my Cambridge College decided they wanted to expel me because they had discovered I was a lesbian. Now, in the end, they didn't do it because of my excellent academic record. So if you're going to be gay, at least be clever about it. Um, but, but I remember going with the weight of that to Gateways, feeling that I had been excluded from society in general. Yeah. And thank goodness, here was a small room where I could at least be myself for an hour or two. So as you heard, that was Sandy Toxvik closing our feature on The Gateways and The Gateways Grind documentary featuring the amazing Jackie Lawrence. Absolutely. I've been privileged enough to kind of see the documentary in its entirety. I have to say, I had a little bit of a tear in my eye at the end. Oh, very, very moving. So when I first kind of came to London, as Jackie says, there were lesbian bars to go to of where you felt like you had a community and they've just kind of disappeared. When Jackie told me about this project, I hadn't heard of The Gateways. I thought I knew everything about lesbian history and I hadn't heard of The Gateways. So I was like, why don't I know about this? And it talks about the lack of lesbian history that's talked about. The Gateways is a historical place that lesbians used to go to and that it was a safe space and it's just something that we need to see. And it's on the 25th of March at 6pm at the BFI Flair Film Festival in London. And I'm going to be there. I'm going to see it. Ooh. Yeah, so I'll be there. So any listeners that are there, do come up and say hi. And um, yeah, we need more lesbian content. We need more authentic lesbian content. And if we go and see the authentic lesbian content, then more lesbian content will be made. So that's how I feel about it. So everybody come on down. Um, and it's a, it's a brilliant documentary. I think what Jackie was saying in that feature about how documentary still miles behind miles behind mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i also love that she mentioned another show cheaters yeah called cheaters <laughs> which i hear um, is doing really really well it's it's a good show guys congratulations darling <laughs> as we're talking about fabulous women and international women's day but let's say it's international women's month what are you doing to celebrate on March the 8th, Rachel. Are you doing anything? I never really find time to do this, but I often want to spend a day sitting around reading. Rarely ever happens, but I'd love to. Not just reading books, but reading poetry because that takes even more time. But I would love to sit around and read my favourite poet. Who's that? Mary Oliver. Ooh. Yeah, she writes a lot about nature. Maybe I can say... In March, the earth remembers its own name. Oh, I love that. That's Worm Moon by Mary Oliver. It's just, her writing is stunning. Literally, it makes me sit there and just look out the window. You are feeling very lyrical, aren't you, today? You are just like, you're wanting to get that poetry in there. I love that. Mary Oliver, queer woman who, she won a Perlitzer. She had a 40-year relationship with her female partner, Molly Malone Cooker. Not the Molly Malone of Irish fame. And cockles and mussels. I but a photographer. No. <laughs> you don't know that? Cockles and mussels. Singing cockles and mussels. No. No. 
So we've had Rachel singing poetry. In previous pods, we've had you having a bit of a, a jig. You are like yep. triple threat. <laughs> it's definitely a threat. <laughs> Mary Oliver is all about this. She was a great queer woman. She was very, very reclusive. I tried to get an interview with her several times and I wrote yeah. to her. In a fountain pen. Yes, I did. On really nice stationery. Yes, I did. I did all of that. <laughs> of course, she's a poet. No response. And she's all about nature and tapping into nature, which I think brings us back to the article that we were talking about before, um, the growing article. Oh, by Tabs, Benjamin. Love that article. I kind of, I think it's because I resonated with it so much and because of what's happened for the last two years, this little thing called a pandemic, which seems to have disappeared. Oh yeah, we're over it now. Over. I mean, it's not. It's not, obviously. <laughs> But my partner and I really got into the garden and got into watching little things grow and got very excited about seedlings and doing cuttings and all the things like that. And where Tabs talks about that she was feeling like burnt out, overwhelmed, and that growing just kind of helped her and I think a lot of people during the pandemic yeah. took to their gardens really because it was it's a it definitely felt like a sanctuary for my partner and I absolutely absolute solace yeah I think so did you know that the NHS give green prescriptions now no Social what does that mean prescriptions sometimes for mental health you know for yeah. anxiety loneliness depression I think the number of prescriptions really went up during the pandemic of just saying, go out and garden. Or walk in the forest. I'm quite into trees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. I Hug a tree and all that. I, no, but I actually do. Because they have a vibration, trees have an energy and they're all connected to each other and they help each other underground. <laughs> I love that you even know that. I love trees. I lo- have you read The Hidden Life of Trees? No. Tell me, what is you it? You will love The Hidden Life of Trees. I'm going to write that down. They feel everything, you know, and the fact that they're all connected and they help each other. If there's a poorly tree in its community, it will reach out its roots and it will connect oh, to it wow. and give it its yeah. vitamins and minerals. I mean, it's honestly... <laughs> Honestly, trees are incredible. And when they say going for a walk in the forest really does kind of clear your head and your mental health, it actually does because the vibration of the forest, the vibration of the energy of the trees is beautiful. I always go and just put my hand on a tree. And I'm saying it, I'm a tree hugger. I hug the trees. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Not ashamed of being a tree hugger. No, I heard someone called it forest bathing, which I really liked. Yay, I love that you love trees. I'm totally with you on that. One of the things that Tab said, and I'm just going to read you a bit, which really resonated with me. I learned through both these amazing and deeply fulfilling experiences. She's talking about parenting and growing plants. We don't always know where we'll end up when we set off. Lean into the unknown and have a look around you because you might just end up with something unexpected and wonderful. Talk about journeys. You'd never know where you're going to end up when you set off. This episode is brought to you <laughs> by Journeys. Yeah. Amazing women. Transcendence. Transitions. It's just so much beauty in the world. And you know what? There's also, as we know, and who knows when this goes out, there's also a lot of crap going on. And you'd have thought, you'd have thought the world had had enough of all this calamitous pandemic as soon as we're out of it, mm. things start kicking off. So, but I would say focus on this, focus on the small, focus on the minutiae of your day and feel the solace of it. Yeah, read this article. She does, she talks about how, how to grow tomatoes. I love that. I think I'm going to do that with my daughter. Get growing, people, in this, yeah, absolutely. this month of March where the mad hairs are 
boxing each other. <laughs> you and your hairs. <laughs> There's so much to enjoy in this month's edition of Diva, the March edition with the beautiful Taylor Hickson on the cover. Ethereal mm. looking, absolutely amazing. She's coming up next week in a Diva dialogue. Taylor, of course, plays Rael opposite Amalia Holmes' Skylar. And you can hear Amalia's diva dialogue from a couple of weeks ago, anytime you like. I mean, that's the beauty of podcasts, right? You listen when you want. It's always available. So have a look back. All the amazing women for International Women's Day. Let's have a little listen to Taylor Hickson, star of Motherland, Fort Salem. Okay. Hello, I'm Taylor Hickson, and I'm on the cover of this month's diva. Motherland is, is now a, a part of questioning identity and asking the bigger questions and challenging yourself, what your beliefs mean to you, what sacrifice means to you, where you sit in the gray of all of that. Molly and I have had enough conversation that we both very much agree we were a bit blindsided by the amount of support and love and appreciation put into what we were just playing with in, in terms of our craft. So it wasn't, I think, until we started interacting online that, that we truly understood the way that the content had touched us. It was, it was doing the same outwardly, and that's invaluable. In general storytelling, it is so black and white. They don't challenge the gray, and that's not honest. That's not how people are. People aren't innately good or bad. People do things out of the honesty of what they believe is moral. Motherland challenges those tropes and it, it was nice to be able to play with something that felt honest, especially over such a length of time. Amalia has a, a superpower, as I like to call it. We always used to make a joke on set that she was the siren because with her eye contact she could ask you to kill someone on her behalf and you'd lovingly agree <laughs> and everyone feels this way. Learning about witchcraft has been so interesting because it's really helped me to understand the patriarchy and helped me understand why the women think and interact the way they do today. We, we have been set up to challenge each other, to be mistrusting of each other. Since the witch trials, you know, we were bribed to turn on each other, to save ourselves. It's been so nice to, to learn about femininity and, and play into it. And the more I've gotten into witchcraft or Wiccan history in, in any means, I've learned so much about myself. and and how much I've abandoned my femininity just to be taken seriously in a room. The outpouring of genuine love for the cast and my well-being is, is not typical to what you'd credit to a fandom. It's much more like family. I care so, so much about them. I'm so excited to, to meet them and, you know, get out of this pandemic and to finally Hold everyone, see the faces behind all, all of this love. You don't realize the, the ripple effect it takes. And it's so much bigger than the thing we've created. It's so much bigger than that. It's such a gift. And that was Taylor Hickson, this month's cover star. Oh, we also have a conversation with the regal, remarkable actress who I love, Golda Rochevelle. She's probably most well known for playing Queen Charlotte in Bridgerton. I love that she is getting the recognition that this incredible actress deserves. Like she has been around the theatre world playing Shakespeare characters for years. She played Othello, but she didn't just do the usual kind of gender swap. She played Othello as a lesbian 
woman. And they obviously did the Shakespeare play as, as it's written. So it kind of really made you think about the Shakespearean text as well. What I love, she has some amazing quotes in this she's interview. She's remarkable. There's, um, what a woman. She talks about always being the first. So yeah. people say that she's the first black queen on television. She says, there will always be firsts because we are not there yet. I'm very happy to be the first and long may it continue. It doesn't matter what the role is. It's the way the story is told. She she talks about playing black characters and that she wants characters that are fully multifaceted. And it's the same with lesbian characters. Like, there are so many actresses now of a similar kind of age bracket that are legendary in the theatre. And now, due to all of these streaming platforms, they're being pushed to the front of leading roles, the roles that they deserve. You've got another yes. example of a queer woman, Fiona Shaw, who catapulted in Killing Eve, which the next season is due out soon. Yeah. So you've got all of these amazing women that are finally getting the roles and the recognition that they've always deserved. I love Golda. Golda is a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful actress. Taking her throne. Oh, Bridgerton just won an award by the way for best casting oh fantastic best casting yeah so well done kelly valentine hendry who was on one of our podcasts a couple of months ago so isn't that great a queer casting director casting a queer actress in one of the first on-screen black queen roles and winning awards Yay! left right and center yes yes to women yes yes <laughs> on international women's day month as we're making it yeah all these inspiring strong smart amazing darling women i mean could we possibly pack any more in i don't know if you're looking for more inspiration or laughs or spring positivity have a look at our pod diva back catalogue not a bad way to spend international women's day next tuesday the 8th of march i'd say women helping women there is nothing more beautiful than that we have packed this episode full of amazing women there are more to come. Next week, it's Taylor Hickson. I've really enjoyed this month's podcast, Rachel. I love celebrating women. Me too. Me too. Have a wonderful International Women's Day. It's the month. Have a wonderful month, every listener out there. <laughs> I have been Victoria Broom. And I have been Rachel Shelley. And I will continue to be Rachel Shelley after, oh, yeah. after you've stopped listening to this podcast in that transcendental metaphysical way i will continue to be rachel shelley and i'll continue to be victoria broom <laughs> whether we are in your ears or not quiz for your ears we'll leave you with that thought listener and we send you kisses have a wonderful month pod diva thank you for listening to pod diva in association with diva magazine the world's leading brand for lgbtqi plus women and non-binary people please listen and subscribe on acast or wherever you get your podcasts you can follow us on twitter at diva magazine you can email us at editorial at divamag.co.uk pod diva queers for your ears pod diva even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.